You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. Welcome to Primal Radio. I'm Tom McGrath, and this week we're live from the Philippines. Primal Radio is the world's greatest martial arts podcast and radio show available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, YouTube, Overcast, CastBox, the podcast app, Amazon Alexa, Sonos, and of course, live on Hamilton Radio, Saturday nights, 9pm New York time and 9pm London time. This is a Primal Radio Extra show. We've devised Primal Radio Extra concept to give our listeners extra content in addition to the weekly weekly shows, and we'll be releasing these on an ad hoc basis for special events and things like that. Uh, As you know, I've been in the Philippines for the last couple of weeks doing my black belt, which I'm pleased to say I passed, and I've been training with numerous grandmasters here at Dossi Para's headquarters. Um, You're in for a real treat today. I'm interviewing the head honcho here, the main man at Dossi Para's HQ, Supreme Grandmaster Juni Cagnetti. Welcome to the show, Juni. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you for uh, visiting us. It's been awesome. It's been awesome. And we'll come on to that in a bit. Um, I've got loads of questions um, that I want to ask you about the history, what you're doing here um, and what the future holds. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go through those. And um, I know we've, we've spent some nights here going through some awesome stories, which uh, the guys will love to hear. Yeah, you can ask. Uh, you're free to ask any question. OK, I'll, I'll shoot, shoot from the hip then. OK, so um, the first one, which is an interesting one. So you hold the title Supreme Grandmaster and Datu, which means king. Um, uh, how did you come to hold titles like those, very grand titles? OK, first, uh, actually, I used only the title Grandmaster. But some people already nominated me to the Supreme Grandmaster when the, all my my brother, all my brothers, my father, all the other grandmasters, Nankanyetis, they all died. So they asked me to use Supreme Grandmaster, but I never used it. In 2007, when the History Channel of USA came to shoot film, documentary film, Human Weapon, uh, that's the time that they said, no, we have to call you Supreme Grandmaster because you're different from the rest. I told you it's up to you, but I don't use that uh, title. But it was the History Channel who insisted that we'll use different title because there are many people using the title their master. So that's how it came about. <laughs> so we have the History Channel of the yeah. USA to thank for that. Good. Cool. Cool. And and, and Datu makes you like a, a, a chief of, of tribes, is that right? Or... Um, yeah, the yeah. Uh, uh, actually, they're supposed to be supreme chief before, but uh, not the master. But for martial art, we use the supreme the master. Uh, it's the only, I think it's, uh, it's only me who used that in the entire Dushipara's history. Because my father or my uncle used only the title grandmaster. Right, yeah. right. Cool. Um, so tell me about the origins and the start of your martial arts journey. How did you get into martial arts and when? Okay. Uh, I was born with a stick in my hand, so to speak. Because my father founded 
Doon si Paris in 1932. I was not born yet. I was born 1936 years later. Yeah. Okay. So when the war was over, Second World War was over in 1945. I was seven years old. I started training with my father, my uncles, and my eldest brother. Because we have four brothers. Me, I have three other brothers. I was the youngest. Yeah. But all of them now are gone. I'm the only one uh, who's alive. So I started my training in 1945 with my father, Uncle Master Mumoy. My father was the founder and president of the Paris, but he was not the foremost instructor. It was Grandmaster Mumoy, the younger brother. He was the best instructor of the Paris ever. Uh, much better than Grandmaster Kakoi Kanyeti, also my uncle. So that's how I started to be associated with uh, Dusi Paris, uh, with Screamer. 1945 until now. So that is uh, uh, 75 years ago. 75 years. <laughs> I need to do the math for that one. That's a long time. It's a long time. Um, could you tell us a bit about the history of Filipino martial arts? I found it interesting. I was talking to a girl here and, and she didn't know that Arnis was a Filipino martial art. But it goes back a very long way, doesn't it? That is, uh, you know, it's sad. Uh, Arnis is crema or kali is uh, one among the last uh, martial arts that came out in the open. Mm. The story actually started uh, long, long before Lapu-Lapu, but there were no recorded history. There were no recorded story. Yeah. But, uh, you know, stories from different books, from uh, old people, you see that with the Chinese traders, they came to the Philippines, Indian traders, other traders, they found it out that the Filipinos had their own. We were not Filipinos then. We were not called Filipinos. Yeah. We had our own uh, uh, martial art. This martial art was only exposed when, Lapu, when Magellan came over and fought Lapu-Lapu in 1521. That's how the art in modern history, modern story, the art started with the time of Lapu-Lapu, officially. Mm. That's how it came about because of this encounter with Ferdinand Magellan, the first explorer, first ma guy, first fellow to circumnavigate the world. But uh, he was slaughtered in Macna. He, you know, he was our first tourist, and Lapu-Lapu <laughs> killed our first tourist. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, I like that. Um, the Philippines to me it's a really really beautiful place but it's also quite a tough place um, and and there's some poverty here and, and, and it's kind of well documented what the the president's been doing with drug dealers wow. right um, growing up was it a necessity for you to know know how to fight you know um, Philippines is composed of 7,100 islands Actually, some people call the Philippines a bastard country. It was this. There are different islands, different people, different culture. Yeah. When the Spaniards came over, they said, this is one Philippines. So we were forced to be together, different culture. That's why until now we still have a lot of differences among ourselves. From the Muslim Mindanao, the different. Uh, but it was the Spaniards who considered us one country. 7,100 islands. Yeah. So that's that's how it came about. So we have problems from all over, 
We have regionalistic, uh, you know, we still have the regionalism feelings. That's why even our dialect, you know, uh, we try to form national language, but some people uh, disagree because their dialect is not included. Mostly it's the Manila dialect, there's 90% right there. So this 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 the problem that the president is trying to, to regulate and control, uh, plus our drug problem, which is actually the number one uh, problem in the Philippines, and corruption. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, they said the corruption inherited it from Spain now. Right? I cannot blame that. The corruption right from our midst. Mm. It's the culture of the people. It's discipline. It's the character of the people. That's a big problem in the Philippines is drugs and corruption. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Corruption in every corner, every strata of uh, citizen corruption is right there. So when you were a young man, did you, did you get in trouble? Uh, I was a boxer, you know, in the place where the Sipari's was headquartered, yeah. almost everybody boxed. We boxed because we only paid 50 cents, because no money at the time. Right after the war, everybody was poor. And when you box, they give you 50 cents uh, for uh, the main event, one piece of <laughs> so these were these were organised shows, West yeah. Western uh, boxing, like Western, Western boxing, boxing rules, and licensed boxing, Western yeah. boxing. Every Friday, Saturday we fight. Uh, we did give us uh, 50 cents. Yeah. Uh, but we can eat already with 50 cents one one piece. Now the fare is 10 pesos. Before the fare was only the transportation was only 50 cents. So, so, so you're, you're a well-rounded fighter. I believe you also did judo, right? Is that correct? Uh, judo? Was that judo, something yeah, you did? Yeah, I competed judo for uh, six years. Yeah. I participated in national tournaments. Uh, but uh, I fought more boxing uh, tournaments. These are uh, uh, illegal matches because before there were no promotions. Uh, when there are events, they just call us up in the week, came up to fight. But you have to line up. Because everybody wants to fight. Yeah. So, right, right. So it was really popular. <laughs> Everyone wanted that 50 pesos. Everybody wanted one piso. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But your real your real passion is the weapons. And, uh, uh, you know, it, at the beginning, I didn't have passion for that. I was into boxing, I was into judo, I took up karate, just for fun. You know, I was into everything. And... Uh, uh, I was in college, I was scholar in college. I have to work hard because if I cannot be scholar, I cannot finish my college. Yeah. So, and I was selling newspapers. All my, all, all my brothers were selling papers in the street to make money. So, uh, we were forced into it because of circumstance. The headquarters was right in our house. So every time there are masters coming, my father always asked us, come on, you, 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 you feed. So we serve as dummies. Yeah. That's how we learn. So we didn't know at the time what to do. We didn't really appreciate it. But we have no way. We have yeah. to serve as dummies. So it was only in about uh, 1950, I was uh, entering 60, 18 years old. I was in college. When we found out that our name was so popular in stick fighting. Mm. So we sort of uh, agreed with the family 
that all of us should train him. And uh, then I realized because we have so many styles. We have, we, you know, we, we have, we fought single stick, double stick, long stick, spadedaga, knife fighting, sword fighting, mano mano. Then in uh, single stick and double stick, we have uh, larga mano, long reach, yeah. media largo, middle reach, and corto, close reach. In corto, we practice three types of corto because there were so many grandmasters, different styles. So we were forced to learn because every time they are there, my father, my uncle always asked us to be double, to be the feeder. That's how we learn. We really did not intend to learn. But somehow, through association yeah. and constant uh, uh, serving as feeders or uh, strikers or dummies, we were able to learn. That's why now I call the Dushpar's multi-style system. Because yeah. at the time, Dushpar's, my father taught his own style, Largamano. Yeah. Grandmaster Kako taught his style, Corto, Kurbada. Grandmaster Momoy, mini style, Spadidaga and Corto Renal or San Miguel Scrima. And then I learned knife fighting from another uncle. Of course, Master Mamoy also did a lot of knife fighting. So I learned and I learned boxing from. Actually, my first cousin was, but just as old as Grandmaster Kako, my uncle. Yeah. He was the oldest of the second generation. He was just as old as Kako. If he were alive today, he would have been 98. I learned from him boxing because he boxed. He was the, he was the one coaching us. Then I learned so much uh, knife fighting from, from him also and from another guy. That's why my knowledge is uh, uh, gathered it from different grandmasters. So, uh, so that, that raises an interesting point for me. One, one thing I've seen a lot in martial arts is because everyone has an ego, mm. often they don't get on. But one thing you've been able to do here, I mean, I've, I've trained with grandmasters un, under your watchful eye, uh, uh, Corto Cavada, San Miguel, Lapunti, yeah. um, Belinda Watt, Dosi Paris, many different styles. Yeah. How have you managed to keep all these different groups happy and and getting along? That's a very good question, Tom. You know, I grew up, uh, I grew up uh, in a regime in a period that death matches. Who go to the full quarter fight amongst the Maduros? Yeah. From 1946, 47, 48, up to 1965. Every weekend, the they came together and they fight. It only lasted five seconds, 13 seconds. Because no headgear, it's yeah. full contact. Full, everything is there, except no no kicking. No kicking, yeah. it's the fight. Ex- so, for our listeners, explain the concept of a death match, because it, 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 that people don't necessarily always die, do they? Yeah, that uh, match is uh, normally is most that matches were close quarter fight. Yeah. But there were a lot of also of uh, they start Largamano, but in the end they always end up uh, close quarter. Yeah. I tell you, Tom, I've seen a lot of them. You can see all the all the sound of the stick uh, hitting the head. Yeah. Everybody, oh, and uh, most people, but nobody died. Yeah. Nobody died. So that's the area that I was growing up with. Then I became a lawyer. I became a lawyer. When I became a lawyer, I was not able to serve the parish. It, uh, it actually interrupted my training mm. because I was signed in Mindanao. Mm. I was signed in Manila. I was assigned. So for six years, I yeah. was, I was uh, 
out of uh, circulation as far as scream is concerned. When I came back in 1968, 65, 68, that's the time that I said, no, we have to civilize. I watched the uh, people, every, although I was not there, every Saturday Sunday, I go home, I attended uh, matchmaking. We yeah. call it Huigotodo. Huigotodo is uh, full contact, no hot bad match. So I said, uh, what's the use? People are creating, improving the technique, practicing hard, just to kill the other grandmasters. I told him, what? And I tell you, all of them were poor people. Mm-hmm. It's only pride. I said, you are only feeding your pride, but they are all poor. Mm-hmm. So when I became a lawyer, I have my law office. I give them free legal consultation. I give them pre-notarials, free legal advice. So I have uh, influence on almost all the quarreling grandmasters. Yeah. So in 1970, when my father, uh, by the way, in 1960-69, I said, we have to formalize everything, including all our, our structure. Because yeah. those separates compose of so many styles. We have to create, we have to formulate a common style, even the basic only. That's yeah. what I told them. And all our forms should be formalized. Because Grandmaster Momo, my uncle, many form, my father has own form, Grandmaster uh, Taco has his own form. I said, we should have only one form. So we formulate. So what happened? We cancelled all forms. I wrote and formulated all of them. So, getting from all the combined forms of my father, my uncle, and that's the form that we have now in our curriculum. The form that I wrote from 1967 up to 1975. Yeah. So, in 1970, uh, when uh, my father said, uh, we want you to be part of the board, they've been asking me to be part of the board. I said, no, I don't like to join the board, composed of old people, and now I'm building this one now. <laughs> it's ironic. That's true. I said, yeah. no, I'd like to join you. We are old people there, and I don't like to be involved with you fighting other customers. Yeah. So in uh, 1970, he said, okay. I told him, okay, I will join on condition that I'll be given a free hand to change the policy and direction to Paris. You know, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer. Everybody, my uncle said, okay, okay, okay. So, okay. I opened up the school, Dushi Paris, to everybody. Because before, Dushi Paris was close, neat. They only accept relatives and very close friends. No charges allowed. So in 1970, when I became director, I opened the door to Sparks to everybody. So the next, after two, three, four months, all my old people, what happened? Why are so many people around? <laughs> I said, <laughs> so I said, look. Then I said, uh, we competed judo, but the judo people not allowed in Screamer. So I said, no, everybody should be, uh, you know, involved. Yeah, involved. And, and that was, for me, like the 19s, around that 1970 period, and I think of like Bruce Lee, for example, and what yeah. was going on in California. But it seemed to be, it, it was a time where you started getting this cross training of different martial arts yeah. fighting each other. And it's, it's interesting that that period for you was, was a sort of key turning point from, I guess, everyone just fighting and doing their own thing to having a curriculum, a board, yeah, and, yeah. And, and systems like that. You know, I, 
at that time, uh, your disease, uh, those parish uh, don't accept, uh, don't answer letters at the time until I joined them 1970. All letters from all over the world, those just throw it in the West Ham. I think some letter done in Santo at the time. Yeah. They wrote to Siparis. Never were answered. All over the, the letters, no, we are not teaching. We are not going to teach anybody. Because other group might learn and we'll be fighting it. That's always the that's the mindset of people. Yeah, yeah. Always against the other Scremador. Mm. So I said when I joined them, I started answering letters. Yeah. So I wrote Dan Santo, I answered letter Pri Bandalan. I said this one in New York, always at the time there was this official karate magazine. Yeah. The biggest at the time. They rose to inside Kung Fu and uh, and uh, inside Kung Fu and what's the karate magazine now? Yeah. Before that was the biggest official karate magazine, always. Yeah. From New York. He wrote me letters. I answered him. said, Yeah, I've been writing letters to you to the I'm happy now that I received this. So I got invited. Yeah. So that's how, you know, uh, that's the turning point of Scream. And, and back back then, so so for, for the listeners, um, we're currently sat in Dossie Paris HQ, which is, is is a large building. But back then, this didn't exist. It was it was was it your father's home or, or, or yeah, your home? Only at the backyard. Yeah. So yeah. people would come and train in the backyard. Yeah, backyard only surrounded by toilets. Yeah. Toilets were neighbors. <laughs> so, so I think wh- where I did my Black Eagle fight for my black belt, which which I've completed over here, there used to be a mango tree. I think Pat said. So how, how long has this facility been in place? When did when did this building get built? This uh, 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 you know the training place in Dusi Paris since 1945-46. It moved from it was in our house. Then it was born in. The, 1960 something. We moved to Grandmaster Kakwis house in the in this project also. So that's our headquarters. Yeah. So it was all there. And uh, so many people sometimes we got we get cramped. So yeah. sometimes we go to the park to practice. But we are always there in Grandmaster Kakwis uh, home. That was at the headquarters until uh, I put up uh, in 1980s I set up my own gym here. Yeah. Because we are too far away from the Mr. Kakoy. I'm about 10 kilometers away. And the traffic is bad. So I put up my own gym right in my house. Yeah. Especially that I was uh, headquartered in Manila. I my business in Manila. Yeah. I, I go home only weekends. So I have no time to always uh, go to the gym of the Mr. Kakoy. So I have my own gym. That's how I started my own gym here. And this this is like this is building a very significant sized building next to your house. What did the neighbors think? Oh, you know, uh, the neighbors uh, they never complain because this is a worldwide widely it's a universally known building. And they see it's, the sticks and the knives and they get scared. But this <laughs> building is open. We don't close anything here. My yeah. house is open. We don't close. But we have never. Uh, uh, experience in a thievery, burglary. Yeah. All our neighbors, all our neighbors, victims of thievery, burglary. Here everything is open. Even our house, we don't lock our house. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps 
Kif Birsen honor honoring a martial artist. Yeah, yeah. Um, you do you do some wonderful things here, which are, that perhaps aren't um, so well publicised or, or, or well known. But um, you you take care of some of the grandmasters who are oh. elderly and the dedicated your most dedicated students you help them financially and with their studies do you want to tell us a little bit about okay. that uh, okay I've done so many things for you I tell you Tom, there's nothing there to be done I've done everything for you yeah first because of this so much uh, I form all the coding schematos together and uh, I told you you have to civilize Sparring. Everybody in the world, all martial artists, making money. But you are still poor. We should not fight. We should be together. It was providential that I went to America and I met Dan in Santo there. Yeah, yeah. In 19th, early 1970. That was the time that I was already mulling, starting to prepare the rules for the, to civilize yeah. uh, the, our Hugo uh, our sparring engagement. Then uh, it was done. I said, done, done, open up my eyes. I said, Filipino martial art is going to be the martial art of the 21st century. The most pretty, the most beautiful, the most complete world around the martial art. Everything is there. Yeah. That's on tip. That's on tip. There. We have on tip. It's the most complete world around the martial art. It has everything, which is true. Mm. We have everything there. So he said, uh, we should promote Johnny, we should promote his act. But we cannot promote it without Dushi Parish. Yeah. Because Dushi Parish is known to be the oldest and the biggest. I told him, we are not big. We are just Islam areas. They thought we were big at the time. Mm. They don't know that we were in Islam area. As a matter of fact, he said, you know, it was done. Who named it as Dushi Parish style? Because we, he asked me then, I said, what's, what's your style? Because I gave demonstration, they even brought me to Hollywood. Yeah. I gave demonstration, they were surprised that I did Largo Mano, Michel yeah. Largo, Corto, different Cortos. I did lot of takedowns, Mano Mano, knife fighting, short fighting, everything. So this they asked, all grandmasters at the time were there. Did they ask me, what your style? What do you, what do you mean by style? She said, no, what you're doing, what style, what do you call that? I said, well, the one I do long is. Yuling style, that's my father's name. Mm. This one, Kortoko Kaku style. This one, Korto uh, Renal or San Miguel, Mumu style. Then said, would you we just call your style Dusi Paris style? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how it started to be Dusi Paris style. Before now Dusi Paris style is the name of the the advocate. Yeah. That's the name of the advocate. So that's how. When I came back, uh, National Armies Association was formed already at the time. Yeah, yeah. Gerald Rivera was the president. He appointed me at the time the action man. When he came back, he called me up. Yeah, he spoke to me. He said, okay, what happened? Well, you have, you know, sir, Spars is very popular, Marshall is very popular, and we should promote this art. Yeah. Because it also promotes our culture in the Philippines. Yeah. It's good. So, but how can we promote the art? I told them. I told Dan and Gerald that the only way, the best way to promote an act is to make it, to feature it into a sporting event. Make it a very good spectator sporting event. Mm. 
like karate, boxing. Then they said, how we do that? Every time you people spar in Cebu, you kill each other. I said, Jeff, we civilize it. We write rules. Yeah. So he said, who I'll take care of writing rules. So when I came back, I told him, at the time, I gathered all the Korean master. The Polintawak, Bakun, Pilobilis, Bilyasin, Maranga, Kakun Kanyete, my father, Mumu, everybody, all the quarreling master, I pulled them together. I said, okay, you people have been fighting, you are experienced, you uh, concentrated as uh, the uh, committee on uh, rules. But at the time I organized already the Shibu Screamer club. So everybody happy. Every time we think I feed him, I give the money. The poor uh, masters give the money. That's all. You know, money in respect. Yeah. Yeah. So, because many of them poor. So. And, and what what about the kids though? Because because there's upstairs there's loads of kids that you're you're helping, right? In... Oh yeah, the kids. You know, uh, I. I found it out that uh, many, there are many kids who cannot uh, pursue their studies with black money. Mm. So we, I created a program, a scholarship program. So we send uh, eight college students, eight college students, we sponsor them. We pay for their tuition fee, transportation, food, everything. Mm. So eight college students. And we have now about 20, maybe 20 more uh, children. And we have 20 children. His father handling it. We give them, we give them uniform, we give them shoes, we give them transportation money. Yeah. Out of what we earn from the Shabazz, coming from those promotions, you know, uh, appellations. So we use the money to, and similar fees, we use the money to support them. And uh, grandmasters, all of their masters in the Philippines, Simuna, eight of them. I give them pension. Yeah. Every Saturday they come to the gym, they collect their pension. Even three grandmasters, Nando Siparis, because they are very poor, I give them pension. Mm. That's it's amazing. Yeah. Giving back. Yeah, but very we important. never we never publicize this. No. But you know it because you came here. I know it because I came here. <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. So that's how, you know. I wrote them. After six months, Gerald will ask me what happened to the rules. He said they cannot formulate even one article because every time they meet, they fight. <laughs> so I told Gerald, well, I will write the, I will write the rules myself. Yeah. So I told the girl masters, I write the rules. You know, I'm experienced in boxing. Yeah. I box a lot. I'm experienced in judo. I, you know, I've done so many things. So I wrote the rules. I based it on boxing rules, ten point mass system. Yeah. Very yeah. easy. So when I have the rules, I prove it to Paris. Approve Simu Shrima. Yeah. I have approved Gerald Verne. Tournaments were ready. But then they said, how can we fight full contact? No headgear. So I designed the headgear. I crafted and designed the headgear. Yeah. The body protector, the gloves, all the arm pad. Yeah. And these are patented in my name, 1980. Now after that, tournament was possible. Yeah, it's very interesting. So, so you've got you've got the traditional boxing scoring system of you know ten nine. And then for, for, for the eights, which would be a knockdown in boxing, it's it's for a disarm, right? Yeah. And if, if there's three disarms, yeah. they the, the fight's so TKO, yeah, yeah, yeah it's a great it's a great system. So it's a great system. after that we had the first national I organized, I organized the first national championship in yeah. 1979. Then after the first national championship, President of the Philippines called me. 
congratulated me. Then he said, what's uh, the next? I said, sir, Mr. President, I hope we can have the first World Championship within 10 years. Yeah. And he told me, oh, that's long shot, but we wish you luck. <laughs> in 1989, except, exactly 10 years, yeah. first World Championship was held uh, in But it uplifted. The president and Gilbert were ousted by people power yeah. in 1986. <laughs> but you met your deadline. And, and the next one is in is in Hawaii, right? In July, is that Hawaii, the next Hawaii, July 18 to 23. Yeah. That is only the 15th World Championship. Yeah, so to our American listeners, they can get, get themselves over to Hawaii yeah, and watch some quality of screen. We had the defending champion, you know, in uh, World Championship. We won out of uh, 14 World Championship. We won only four times. American won uh, 10 times. But uh, last last World Championship we won. That's why the American now wanted to dislodge the Philippines. That's why we are training. You see how we train now? Yeah. We're trying to bring 100 people, players to to Hawaii to be mm. able to defend our title. Because I know America will be building about 100 people. And they're big guys. Yeah, because yeah, because. Uh, uh, Arnie Schema has eight events. Yeah. We can finish three. We can finish in three for this because we have single stick live stick fighting, double stick live stick fighting, long stick fighting, knife fighting, and uh, we have padded stick fighting point system like karate. Yeah. Point and we have padded system non-stop continuous. So there are many events and we have forms. So many forms. Yeah. That's why in in Hawaii. There are 206 categories. Yeah. Imagine 206 trophies. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Olympic ring. It's uh, we, I I asked uh, Trixie, who's who's a young girl here, who who's um, 14. She looks slightly younger, and she she demonstrated a form that she'll be performing at the championship. And it's it's uh, incredible. Yeah. Incredible. She's uh, she was a champion. So she will defend her title in Hawaii. Uh, you know, we have uh, we train them very well. Yeah. We train them very well. And we support them. We pay for their training, we pay for their uniform, shoes, food and everything. That's how uh, that's how the Shiparis and wake up. What we earn, we give it to because the Philippines very poor. Yeah. So we give them uniform, everything. Um, how, how have you enjoyed having Pat O'Malley's Rapid Arnest group over from London? Uh, Pat, Pat is always a very enjoyable, fun, fun guy. Yeah. He's not only, he's not uh, a very skilled, Pat is very exceptionally skilled. Yeah. I, I don't like to, Pat is, to me, is one of the foremost martial not only Shkamayo, martial he's well rounded. Mm. He's boxing, you know, kickboxing. He's into Jeet Kune Do. Mm. You know, you partner with Bobby Brin. Mm. Yeah. Uh, when I met them, they were already so good in their own martial arts. Yeah. They were already doing Filipino martial arts. So we only complimented those parties with them, and they learned so, they learned so fast. Pat is a very nice guy, and I sometimes uh, I cannot understand why. He does not concentrate so much. He should have been very big now mm. because he's so good. He's so skilled. A good character, a good company. Mm. But, but he just loves to help people. 
I told you, you make money out of them. You know, it's good that I have people and friends, you know. Yeah. He's happy with that. He is, he is. Less of a businessman, But uh, you can help him to be a little businessman. Yeah. Because with his age and with his uh, name, with his uh, reputation, I think he can uh, be bigger than what he is now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Andrew Jansen's helping a lot with that. He, he's more he's more of the business yeah, mind, I think. Um, as part of this visit, you promoted Pat to, to the rank of Grand Master. Yes. Um, you, you've seen him for a lot for a long time. What what kind of qualifies someone to get that get that kind of promotion? It's long overdue. As a matter of fact, it's long overdue. As a matter of fact, I was surprised why he has not been using the title of Grand Master. Mm. Yeah, because everybody always said, no, I don't like to use, uh, you know, Pat is humble man. He could have, he could have used that uh, title. Because he has a big organization. He's connected to civil organization. But he's humble man. That's why I said, Pat, you should uh, use the title of the master. And I was happy he accepted it. Because I was scared he wouldn't accept. Because at first he was reluctant. Oh, I said, oh my God. First time that somebody refused. I, th- I, th- I think, I think refused, it makes him feel old. Had he refused, I, I, I would have killed him. <laughs> <laughs> One really interesting thing you told me was that so he won three world titles in a row, and I, yeah. what I didn't know is that you guys asked him to retire after he that. He was a uh, world champion. He never was beaten. And uh, so, subsequent championship, told me, you better not participate anymore. We are fighting for students. Yeah. Uh, it's not good. You give people some chance. So that's why he stopped fighting. And he was just coaching. It was very lovely. I'm just sad that uh, he does not even actively participate in competition. But is he, you know, people love to see him. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's happy person all the time. He is, yeah, yeah. He's happy person all the time. Very friendly. And yeah. you can ask anything. He is not hesitant to teach you if you ask him. That's why we became very close right away, because uh, in 90, early 1990s meeting, I found him to be very likable mm. and mm. very, very skilled and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, very reliable and uh, he's a responsible martial artist. Pat, Pat's been over here, I, I believe, at least 25 times, he told me. Yeah, yeah. And, um, why, why is it important for, if someone's practicing FMA? Why should they vil- visit the Philippines? I I, I know it's worked. It's done a lot for me, but you I'd know, like to hear your rather than just staying in their own country and learning off the local guy. They are they are very skilled, but there are still many things that you can learn. Yeah. Okay. Plus, it's always nice that you learn something from another grandmaster, real yeah. grandmaster. Although sometimes I know that the techniques that the uh, the thought sometimes it's not it's not superior with what uh, Pat has, but it's different way. Yeah. It's another way. It's another one. So by being with us and in Dushi Parish, the Dushi Parish is different. We are evolving every year. Until now, I'm still shooting. Remember this time when I became a black belt in 19 total in. 1960. Uh, uh, mm. I was 1890. I learned only two ways of disarming knife. 
There are 12 angles in life. Yeah. 12 angles in life. I learned only about 12 lux. Single only lux. Ulisi versus Ulisi. Mm. I learned only about 6, 8 Spadeidadela. Now in our knife, this arm, we teach 12 different ways of resting the knife away from you. Mm. Every number. Every other, number one. Yeah. In, in, in Spadeidadelak, I learned only 6 to 8 lux. Yeah. We now in our curriculum there are 120 locks. Yeah. But we counted we have almost 200 locks. There are about not there. And in our 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 uh, our uh, single locks, there are 150, 150 in our curriculum, and yeah. not all are there. And these are these are these are many more coming out. Why? Because. Those, those Spanish culture, the Spanish culture, can be interpreted in many ways. Mm. They said, why we have so many locks, why we have so many design? Because I created, I created many forms of interest. Many forms of interest, how to enter, how to handle the, with the lipid return. That's why, uh, creating more interest, you create more that's the beauty of the Filipino Masera. Mm. You can create the freedom to create your own. As long as you learn the principles, the kinship, and the philosophies. But uh, most Masera, most uh, Filipino uh, Masera style, they don't teach... Uh, the principles in the... They don't yeah, teach yeah, yeah. They don't teach uh, philosophy. Mm. Here, when we teach our students, for example, in New Defend, we ask you right away, what is the principle about your, what, or what are the principles? Yeah. And what is the philosophy? Why you do that? Yeah. What is your main object? So here, we produce, uh, not just uh, we produce instructors. Yeah. Because we are like school. Yeah. That's why now, as, as you have seen this. Yeah, yeah. They are training with us all doctors of education. Yeah. Yeah, coming July to it. All doctors of education, they are all doctors coming to those parents to train mm, mm. our curriculum. So you're continuing to do a lot of work with the government and getting re- really embedding Filipino martial arts FMA in, into the school system and making it bigger and bigger. Yes, uh, we emphasize the problem with our, we just took over, Tom, we just took over. The problem with the Department of Education is they concentrated more on tournament fighting. Yeah. So the kids are disoriented. Yeah. They thought Philip uh, Monsalat is fighting. Yeah. Which is wrong. That's why I I will try and I spoke to a lot of top school officials. We have to reorient our teachers and our students. Mm. Remember that tournament fighting is not even 1% of the army. Yeah. We have to concentrate on development. Yeah. Just the character building, discipline, you know, uh, uh, mental, spiritual uh, development, sports, of course, sports and physical fitness. That's what I told you. Yeah. They said, yeah, but you know, this martial art is, we, you remember, the teacher told me, we do this because martial art is fighting. Oh my God, I said, did you read history? She said, no, we really don't. Uh, I asked him, how do you define Arnis Srimakali? I handled that. The Department of Education, 
offered that we teach 1,000 teachers. He said, no, give me the top 100 teachers. So last year they gave us, July, top 100 teachers. They said they are, they are expert already in earnings, but only coaching and training. Yeah. Oh my God, I said, no. They said, yeah, because earnings is martial art. Come on, that's it. And what is martial art? Martial art is fighting. Oh my God, I don't, don't you know? Don't you know the story of martial art? Martial art was invented by the Chinese monks mm, mm. for peace and harmony. It's just fighting. And so, I told him no. I said, that's why I read the creed. I created the creed. I formulated the creed. I wrote the creed of Srima. Martial art and fighting is number seven, the last objective of martial art. Yeah, yeah. Very funny. That's what I said. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great to hear this coming from you because we've interviewed a lot of top top martial artists, and the answers always end up being kind of the same. You know, like it's about principles, philosophy. It's about it's about a lot more than just fighting. It's about life, and and that's really trying to a message that comes out of all of our shows. That's why this art is going to grow. Yeah. Yeah. I was offered by the government to him to be czar. Of Arnis, mm. I told him that. I was called to Manila, they offered me something. I told the senator, you run, you take over. She said, I love it, but it's illegal. She said, no. So finally, the senator obliged mm. because he's a world champion, my student. Then he said, okay, I accept it on condition that Gerald, my son, will be my. because I'm too busy. So yeah. Gerald of Manila, I'm busy. And he's a busy man. He's a busy man. Um, you, it's your hope that more groups like we, like ours, the, the 15 people that came over from London and uh, the UK, uh, will be, uh, I say the UK, I actually had people from Ireland and Sweden, etc., etc., but um, will come here to train mm. at, at Dossi Perra's headquarters. As a matter of fact, we just have the Iranians. Did you meet them? I met, I did, yeah, yeah, yeah two, two Iranians, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they, uh, you know, they really wanted me to go to Iran. I said, I'm too busy. Please go to Iran because we'll bring you to. We are in Azerbaijan. We are in. We are in. So they are everywhere. Yeah. So I said, uh, they asked for appellation. I said, okay. Only I give you appellation for Iran only. He said, but I have. We have group in Ukraine. We have group in Russia. We want you to go there. Fourteen countries. I said, no. So he said, no, we said November. I said, okay, I'm sending my grandmasters. We accept them on condition you come. I said, I cannot guarantee you because I'm just too busy. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, they just left. They just left. They are now in the airport. Is it dry? They are now going home. So, so what, I mean, if, if people want to learn more about your organization, if they want to get in touch with you to come and visit Dossi Paris HQ, how, how do people go and re- uh, we reach We have a website. We yeah. have a website set up. Dossi Paris HQ. Uh, Dossi Paris HQ. Dossi Paris HQ. Is it dot, dot net or dot com, do we know? I don't know. <laughs> um, and what does the future hold for you and Dossi Perros? We are still going to grow. Actually, Tom, I don't want Dossi Perros to grow. I want Dossi Perros to stay because we become big, more problem. Uh, we want uh, to grow. The art, I want the art, the art to grow. 
Impossible to separate. The only problem is this system, the style is to separate. So we cannot, we can stop those parties from growing up because we're teaching the system Kudoshi Paris, which Daniel Sandos said it should be Kudoshi Paris. And uh, with so many things, you know, we have so many things to do in our, in, in everything that, you know, our forms, our Mano Mano. So many things, so many people have not yet learned so much about Mano Mano. I have done a lot of Mano Mano with this. Iranians, they're big, I tell you them. When I was Korea, I, you know, it's only the Mano Mano aspect of uh, Filipino martial that people have some doubts. Yeah. Because what happened is, most scrimmaders, most Filipino martial arts club, when they do Mano Mano, they show karate. They show karate, taekwondo, and they call it panantokan or suntokan or whatnot. And then but you can see that it's Similar to karate, but mano mano the super is exactly Filipino. Yeah, yeah. Very exactly Filipino. With our uh, checking system, the way of defense is just beautiful. Our takedown system very pretty. And these are, uh, I told the grandmasters, these are the things that uh, the the world does not know. Mm. So I, I told them the only problem with us is we are satisfied. I was in Korea, it's very sad. I was in Korea in November last year. You know what the Koreans said? Taekwondo is no longer sport. It is uh, no longer martial art. It is totally sport. Yeah. I was yeah. surprised. I said, oh, no, no, I said, no. In sports, we have 250 member countries. We have Taekwondo, martial art, TKDD. We use Filipino martial art as base, 80% in our Taekwondo. So we, we why should we be ashamed? Krab Maga, number one martial art using Filipino martial art also. Yeah, 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 definitely. All their names, all their names, mostly Filipino, all the chicken Filipino. Mm. And it is very sad. Yeah. We are making Filipino money, Filipino martial art. Krab Maga making money, Filipino grandmasters, no food in the stomach, mm. no money. I told everybody when the in April last year I have about 20 uh, Korean skin. I told our grandmaster, this Korean, they are they are witnesses. That's the, that people look at us. Then they, because I was called the one who told me that you know the president of Taekwondo, World Taekwondo. Yeah. He's yeah. also the chairman of Congress of Korea. He invited me to Congress. Then she said, you know, Jane, I invited you because you are my counterpart. Go, no, no, no. I only hit my own organization. You hit Taekwondo. That's all over. So no, as far as we are concerned, you are number one Filipino martial That's why I have you invited. She said, you know, all over the world, grandmasters have money, have car, beautiful house. Filipino grandmaster, no food, this too much. That's what I told the grandmasters. Yeah. Then like, he asked me why. I told him, you know why? We only we only feed ourselves with pride. We practice hard. We create invent style, invent techniques to kill the neighbor the neighbor grandmaster. Yeah, yeah. How can we grow? Yeah. That's why I told him that's everybody. All grandmasters say more. Every Saturday come to me. 
Yeah, so I, I guess the message to those other martial arts systems who are borrowing Filipino stuff is if you do it, give the Filipinos some credit for where it's come from yeah. and come get your, get your asses over to the Philippines, come and train and learn the real stuff from the real people because you'll get you'll get the best stuff you know yeah okay right so um i've got one final thing um if you could say hello uh to our co-host um who obviously isn't in the show because he's over there in america in new jersey jim mccann Um, okay jim mccann (laughs) yeah okay to the listeners of uh, jim mccann uh I'm very happy that uh, I'm being uh, interviewed over your uh, radio. Yeah, Primal Radio, Prime radio best show radio. in the world. And, uh, you heard me now there in New Jersey and I think all over the world. I'm very happy that uh, Tam here. Tam is one of the greatest black belts of uh, London. He studied with us. I'm very happy. And with this partnership with uh, Pat O'Malley, you know Pat O'Malley, I'm a master myself, but I consider Pat one of the greatest martial art masters ever. So, once again, I thank you, Tam. I thank the beautiful station. And uh, anytime, you can call me if you want some updates. <coughs> yes. Or new information. Right. Thank, thanks ever so much. So that, yeah. um, by, the way, more. Yeah. by the way, I'll be in Hawaii. July 18 to 23, I'll conduct seminar in Hawaii from 24 to 26. I'll be in Los Angeles on 27 for the World Championship. Another World Championship in Los Angeles. It is called World Invitational East Army Championship. Then July 28, I have seminar in LA. I have seminar in Sacramento on August 4 and 5. Sacramento, then uh, Bay Area on the August uh, 11 and 12. Then I'll be in Mexico on May t- uh, August 27 to 31. I'll be in Mexico. So those who, who can be there where I am, I'm happy to see and meet all of you. That's that's fantastic. So so our listeners, yeah, if you're if you're based in those areas or, or you fancy a fantastic trip to go and um, see some FMA live uh, from a truly world class grandmaster, get yourselves along. Um, so we're going to wrap it up there. I hope you guys have enjoyed the show. Um, please remember to subscribe on the platforms we, we said earlier. Give us a good review um, and, of course, share it with your friends. Um, thanks once again to Senior Grandmaster Juni Cagnetti for, for his time today. Uh, take care and goodbye. Uh, well, what's-
have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.